Welcome to another podcasting episode of Bob Around Town. It's Bob Peters out and about, exploring mid-Michigan from an inside perspective. And now, here's your host, Bob Peters. Hello, everyone. Another episode of Bob Around Town, episode number two. I hope you enjoyed that first one with Michelle Sponsiller. We're going to be doing some more about downtown Mount Pleasant as well, too. So, uh, matter of fact, today I'm hanging around at the world-famous... Clare City Bakery, Cops and Donuts, Clare uh, location. We're in downtown Clare right now. Uh, beautiful day out there. There's a lot going on around here. You might hear some background noise, but we're right here in the middle of uh, Cops and Donuts. So uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about some fun stuff. I'm sorry, guys. We're not talking about donuts today. Oh, there will be another boy. day for that. That's all right. But today we're going to talk about a little bit of fun about the Purple Gang. There's a lot of stories going out there. We've read a lot about it. I, I've watched movies. And, you know, the Purple Gang really had a big home here in Clare, Michigan. And we don't really hear all those stories. And we're going to hear about a couple of those today. We've got, uh, do we have 22%? Are there nine owners of Cops and Donuts? Rhino and Bubba, welcome. 22%. We've never heard that break You're two ninths. You're two ninths. Um, I've got Rhino here and <laughs> Bubba, which is really fun. They are they are 22% of the Cops and Donuts. Two out of nine, right? Well, That's correct. There's nine owners uh, by body weight. We're like 40%. 40%? By body weight, yeah. <laughs> That's a, that's a body mass index. So yeah. Even uh, in cubic feet, probably. Yes. Exactly. So I'm talking with two guys who don't like to use their real names, which is really strange for policemen because, you know, they're always hunting down people with, with fake names. So um, <laughs> I'm going to start here to, to my left. Uh, I've got Rhino here. Rhino, welcome. Welcome, yes. What, what, beautiful downtown Claire. Beautiful downtown Claire. Do you use your real name, Greg? Does anybody call you Greg? I haven't. Very few. Very and, few. and that okay. works out with the telemarketers these yes, days. Yes, it does. When they answer the phone here, if they ask for Greg, they know it's not for me. If they ask for Rhino, it's somebody that I've uh, dealt with. Boom. Okay, now I'm, I'm going to move over to my right. I'm going to talk to Bubba for a minute because I am kind of lost about his first name, and I think it's Al. It is Al. Get out of here. Alan, yeah. actually. Alan. <laughs> Yeah. You know, that's what your mom calls you. Um, she called me Alan Lloyd when I was bad. Oh, is that it? How long have <laughs> you been Bubba? I've been Bubba for decades. Gotcha. Okay, so you're a Bubba. You're, you've been a rhino forever. Forever. And, you know, police department, you do have nicknames and all sure, that. So. Sure, You know, we, we've talked a lot. I've known you guys for a long time, and I've had great conversations with both of you here at the front table at Cops and Donuts and really relaying some stories uh, about historic Claire. And, and there's a lot of history in Claire, but we're really going to focus on the Purple Gang because isn't that what, what's really exciting around here, you know? Yeah, we should probably have some rum. I think. Well, we should. <laughs> you know, the original rum runners, Purple Gang bootleggers out of Detroit in the 1920s. Sure. Uh, They're run- actually a Canadian gang. Are they Canadian? And, uh, okay. They had great ties to uh, Windsor, Ontario. And Canada didn't have prohibition. Correct. And the United States did. So... They had the connections to get the booze across the Detroit River. And one connection that I found out is that uh, Michigan, the state of Michigan, prohibited liquor two years prior to the state or to the nation, uh, the nation, United States of you America. You did do your research. I did Bob. my research. So, so they were able to start a li- couple of years earlier to help supply Michigan drinkers with liquor. At that point, yes, they were coming across the river, you know, from Windsor and, and doing a lot over there. So, what I want to know is, and you guys are going to tell me, how did the Purple Gang get up to Clare? Well, from what my research and the stories I've heard and everything like that, they couldn't always get it across the Detroit River out of Canada. The feds would be onto them pretty heavy and the cops down there. So they'd just take a ride north and they'd actually go up to the UP and they could get it across from Canada up there if need be. And there even was some 
distilleries up in the UP that got busted by the Michigan State Police back in those days. And, and traveling was a little bit different in the 20s. You didn't have I-75 back then. Right. But you had back roads where you could go very easily, very quietly, couldn't you? Sure. Well, 27 was a back road back then. There was yes. no freeway. Right. You know, and Claire here, we were very fortunate to have the size of the Doherty Hotel that we did. You know, uh, opened in 24 uh, back in 1924, to have a hotel like that, a little podunk, Claire. Oh, it's huge. Yeah, yeah. It, it really it's, it's was at huge. the time. It isn't anymore, but right. it, you yeah. know, it wasn't back in the day. What was it like, Bubba, growing up in Claire? And I'm not. I'm going to guess your ages, but you grew up in the 60s, 70s, you know, pretty much at that point. What was it like growing up in Claire and hearing about these stories? Uh, everything was tunnels. We used to hear about tunnels all the time. Uh, a house that was owned by the Purple Gang um, was always rumored to have tunnels and this kind of thing and uh so yeah that was a that was a big deal okay so there's a lot of tunnels um as i look here at cops and donuts you have a little window here with with a ladder right that's right yeah tell me about that well before we purchased this building um we were told that there was always ways and passages to move around in the building and take the tunnel underneath the street and i always thought those were just uh stories and everything like that well back when this building was built in 1908 they had open windows under the sidewalk, and those would be also fire escapes out of the basement, the transom windows up top to let the light in and everything. And they said, well, there was always a ladder that they could run back, jump in the basement, come up here, crawl up a ladder through the corner, get up on this mezzanine, and there's a spring-loaded ceiling tile, and they could get up there and hide. And I'm thinking, yeah, right, yeah, right. We buy the building. Right. There's a ladder that was built in the corner that you could get up from the basement. No reason to have it. And then get up on the mezzanine, and sure enough, that ceiling tile up there is spring-loaded. Just like that. So, And also, I've seen a YouTube video with you guys, what, pretty much finding the tunnels under the, tunnel. the streets, right? Well, DPW, yeah, yeah just, they just right across that, right. the street, yeah. the one that went from the Doherty Hotel okay. over to the Isabella Bank. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, so so did the, the regular people in Claire understand what was going on at that time? Uh, the regular people know yeah, the business okay. people. Yes, <laughs> we we knew about it because there's there's one guy you know I, I talked about or uh, I read about um, the unofficial godfather of Claire, uh, Sam Garfield. Yes, called Uncle Sammy. Yeah, yeah, and that was later. He yes. he was the one that uh-huh. he's the one that then laundered their money. Um, the Purple Gang was about 1917 through 1937. Oh, very good. Yeah, okay. They got started early, and then they were done pretty much by 37. Just about the time Sam was counting the numbers, and they moved him into town. And then he used a, moved a lot of their money, their old money, through Mammoth Oil that was real big here in Clare. And we, we're going to get onto that story as well, too, because there's a little story with the Doherty Hotel about Mammoth Oil and what happened there. So, yes. so uh, um, dare we use the term gangsters, right? Oh, yeah. People, I mean, we yeah. can do I mean, it. Gangsters, truly was. gangsters yeah. were hanging out in Clare, Michigan. That's true. You know, one of the new things I say right now is back in the day, the uh-huh. gangsters ran Clare. Then it was the city fathers. Well, then today, with our business business climate, we've got a lot of women and young women. So now we have the ladies of Claire. Instead of the fathers of Claire running it, now it's the ladies of Claire. <laughs> and you're going to see more on that in photographic and stuff. I love that. I love that. Yes. So, so what were some of the stories that you were told by some of the people, whether it be your parents, aunts, uncles, friends? You know, because though they're at that generation or maybe even grandparents, they're going to relay some of these stories down to you guys. 
Yeah, my mom was a waitress over in the Doherty back just right out of high school, and she graduated in 1947. Okay. So that would have been during the Meyer Lansky reign right. after the Purple Gang. But, you know, that's just 10 years after their run, so the stories are big and everything like that. And then A.J. Doherty, you know, we got it right from him about the tunnel underneath, and when he was a young child, he played in the tunnel between the family hotel and the bank at the time. How many tunnels were there in Clare? We don't know for sure. Not, not really, We don't do know we? for sure. Okay. No, and, you know, a lot of people always say, oh, those tunnels wouldn't work in downtown Clare because we're down in this valley and it's all low, wet, and mucky. That's not true down here. We've, of our three buildings, we've got one with a crawl space, and we've dug down six, eight feet for different purposes to get stuff out of there, and it's as dry as can be. So the, the downtown here, you don't get down into the wet like they think. Gotcha. This downtown okay. is dry. The, the gangsters who came here... Obviously, they weren't looking for trouble in Claire. They're just looking for a place to, dare I say, hang out, right? That's correct. Gangsters take vacations, too. Okay. Right. They loved it up here. They fish. They hunt. They like to relax. They eat good food, right? Yeah. My family owned a uh, multi-generational nursery and garden center, and our property uh, was directly adjacent to Sam Garfield's house. Okay. And when my father was in high school, he was uh, their lawn maintenance, uh, landscape maintenance person. And he used to tell me about all the big limousines and big black cars coming and going out of there. And so I, I kind of grew up with that. Very good. Very good. What do people say in Claire today about the history? Is it something, you know, you can't really, I don't know if you're going to be proud of it or anything like that, but I mean, it is a, a big part of the history because also these gangsters, quote unquote gangsters brought money here, correct? Oh, lots of money. Dirty money, but it money, right? Sure. Sure. They did oil exploration, didn't they? Yes, they did. A lot of it here. Yes. And that had to bring jobs, money up to the community at that point. Right. How, how do the people look at that? Well, well, because you know where that money comes from. Sure. Well, I can give you one of the ideas mm -hmm. is that uh, Rhino and I were growing up, our library was the Garfield Memorial Library. So yeah. obviously <laughs> he, had a, he was liked in town here. Right. Um. But, it, but it's dirty money. You bring it into the town, but they help the community as well, too. Sam Garfield, when you talked about you're a neighbor, right? Is that Tobacco Ranch that we know now? No, actually, no. Okay. it's, what, it's which uh, one is this? residence on the end of 6th Street. Tell me about that one. It's, uh, it's a big brick home. It's okay. got an apartment above the garage and uh, a lot of small rooms. It's, it's laid out kind of differently. Okay. And uh, I've always kind of speculated why it was laid out the way it is. But it has a uh, three-hole golf course across the river, and uh, beautiful grounds. And it was his it was his home. But he entertained there a lot, specifically Meyer Lansky used to hang out there. Bubba calls it a river. Let's just tell the truth. It's trick. Okay, yep. gotcha. Yeah. You can do that. That is rivers being really nice. <laughs> well, maybe it was a river back in the day as well, too. No, so it's I been a drainage so. ditch Oh, gotcha. Forever, okay, yeah. yeah. It's just we called it a river. He's so. painting the wrong picture. Here. I yeah. love it. I, hey, we can do that on the podcast as right. well, too. So, um, so Sam Garfield, a big guy, right? I mean, he's a short big guy. guy. Well, okay, yeah, yeah short yeah, guy. Like yeah. Meyer Lansky's a only big guy five foot Claire. tall. Right. Yes. Meyer Lansky was, you know, a big guy, but only five foot tall as well, too. So so Sam Garfield's here. He's doing some oil exploration. He, he's hanging out with maybe the wrong people, right? <laughs> but, but he's doing some things here in the community. He's, he's, he's a member, right? Spending a lot of money, yes. Spending yes. a lot of money Everybody here. here liked him, said he was a great guy. Perfect. What brought Meyer Lansky up here? I believe Sam Garfield. Think so. Think they yeah, partnered. I, I think I think Meyer Lansky brought Sam here and mm -hmm. left him here and put him up here and said this is it because the, what the reading I've done 
Sam Garfield was not the nice guy outside of Claire before he came here. And then he had to change, you know, and it's time to be the nice guy. Let's get you out. Let's keep you alive. We'll get you up there. We'll get you in the oil. Um, and, And they did a lot of things in different names, but then they actually did do some oil wells in Wexford County under their own name. Okay. And then they wonder why they got jammed up for not paying tax on it. (laughs) <laughs> Meyer Lansky, by the way, just so anybody knows that he was known as the accountant, yep. really for El Capone. He's a smart man. He knew his numbers very well. He knew how to handle the gambling. He, oh he, he would keep his numbers in his head the entire time. Died in 1983. Uh, they thought maybe, you know, he had about, what, a few hundred thousand dollars, million dollars with him. But nobody could find it at that point as well, too. Right. He finds his way up to Claire, Michigan. <laughs> How does a man who started gambling in Florida, in Cuba, in Las Vegas, come other than just because of that oil? There has to be another reason here why he's here. You know, I've never dug into it that much. Maybe you found out, but uh, I don't know for sure. Claire was always known, you know, up to that point to make it through everything. During the Depression, Claire did fine. Okay. When gas prices are high, Claire is busy. Oh. Um, it's just, it's just a unique city. Okay. We're the crossroads. We're halfway everywhere. The gateway? Yeah, the gateway to the north mm-hmm. is, a, right, is a big slogan. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and we've just always done very well in Claire, even in tough times. And maybe he got some wind of that. I don't know if maybe it was through the Doherty's or the Bicknell's. Mm-hmm. You've got to remember a lot of gangsters follow politicians. Yes. And the Doherty Hotel was built in 1922 by Senator A.J. Doherty. Did not know that. Thank you very much. And, and I know they hang out a lot in Lupton, Michigan, too. There's yeah. a bar that now yeah. burned down over there as well, too. Sure. But but for some reason, they like northern Michigan. My speculation is just my speculation is that sometimes you need to go somewhere where it's a little bit quieter. You know, you don't have a lot of pressure, and you can do a lot of things as well, too. So. I've always heard that the reason they picked Claire was Claire was as far away from Detroit as you can get and still have a nice hotel like the Doherty. Perfect. Okay. Working girls, that yep. kind of stuff. Uh-huh. Understood. Yep. And uh, so this was this was remote right. to them. And my father said when when he was a child, everything north of town here was basically a two track. Gotcha. Yeah. This 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 had good roads up to this point. Oh, no kidding. So that that helps out quite a bit as well too. Right. You know, they're out of the Detroit area, away from Chicago, and away away from all those gangsters. Yeah, prior to the blacktop, it was difficult for vehicles to get over James Hill, just north of town oh, here a few yeah, miles. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yep, and then when they finally so blacktopped it, then they, they cut it down a lot. Gotcha. Help me out a little bit here. We, you know, w- w- with the Purple Gang, they're coming around, they're hanging around a lot up here. They kind of blended in with the local population, didn't they? I think somewhat. You know, they, okay. they dressed the look that you see in okay. these pictures you mm-hmm. find. But back in those days, all the businessmen in town wore suits. You yes, know? right. So, so today, you know, that it's leisure wear. Okay. You don't find business people in suits much anymore. But back then, they fit right in. How, how, did, how did all the violence that typically follows gangsters stay away from Claire? Well, there I are mean, we here. have one instance, right? There's, I mean, there's yeah. that one incident. Right, yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. get there, um, you know? Yeah. Um, I just don't think that they want to travel out of Detroit that far. Gotcha. You know, and that's okay. why they felt safe okay. here. Uh-huh. I truly believe that. Okay. You know? And if they're out of town, the, the other people, they're... Their uh, enemies probably doing business in town while they're gone. You know, you're right about that. You know, you're let right them go. That. Let them go up there and hang out. Right. We'll, we'll make some money while they're out of town. So because of them, a lot of people showed up here. Rhino, you were telling me about Harry Bennett. Yes, Harry Bennett. Tell me about Harry Bennett and 
well, how he kind of, and I don't know if he can make that connection or not, I, <laughs> but let's see if he can, okay? Yeah, yeah. I don't know that there's a connection okay. there, but, you know, Harry Bennett was the security, the head of security for Henry Ford. Yes. And he owned a big track of land out uh, west of town here uh-huh. out in uh, Freeman Township. And uh, his own lake, Lost Lake, became a, sc- a scout camp. And uh, he was an odd duck, too. You know, he had little twisted things about him and everything. Right. And uh, so it's odd that we have the Purple Gang settle up here. and kind of, They didn't settle, but they like to hang out sure. in Clare. We had Harry Bennett that was out west, and I'm sure that's because of Henry Ford, because Henry Ford owned a lot of farmland up in Greenwood Township. Uh, it's oh, the I Kitty, know. It's the okay. current Kitty Curtis uh, ranch or farm. Uh, that used to be Henry Ford's. Yeah. And uh, we've always had a lot of connections. Okay. T- tell me about this lake. Yeah, Lake Lansky. Okay. Lake Lansky. Tell yeah. me. So, so first of all, legend has it. I know. I know. This is all legend. We're we're gonna go down, yeah. kind of kind of a rabbit hole in a way, aren't we? You can well, say anything you want if you put legend has it. Thank yeah. you. So legend yeah. has it, Rhino. Well, let's start first <laughs> with let's all this. People think the Doherty Hotel is haunted. Correct. Things that happen yes. there. Mm-hmm. People have visions, and you can see things. This one here, everyone can see when you look at it. If you're at Fifth and McEwen, or excuse yeah. me, Fourth and McEwen in downtown Clare, and you look to the west, and you actually look at the tree line across the top of Frozen Lake Lansky that's visible Beautiful. today. Yes. Yeah, and it was probably back when he first came to town. He brought over beavers from Beaverton, and there was a creek running through that property. Now you're making that one up, or is that a legend? This is a legend. <laughs> I don't make anything up. I know, <laughs> but I'm still digging into it. Yeah and, yeah, and and I'm trying to be proved wrong because I go with facts. Right. And the facts are that these beavers dammed that up and it flooded the area. I don't know what Lake Lansky. Now he was known for a lot of things. What right. went on in Lake Lansky, and why isn't it there today? Well, then Worldtronic, a big company, came to Clare in the 1960s. Okay. So. In the late 50s, apparently Meyer was done, and he didn't come to town a lot after the mid-60s. Well, he died in 63. Or 83. Or 83, 83 excuse yeah, me, yeah, 83. But, but he was he didn't come here and, after the right. mid-60s much. So he ended up taking the beaver dam out and dried the area all up, and then the property was sold to Worldtronic to where they built a big building, and today that's stage right. And that building oh. is actually where you see the mirage of Lake yes, Lansky. Exactly. And, and when you look at it, you can also see the ice shanties on it. It's a frozen lake, and you see the tree line across from it. And I truly believe the reason that that's the vision is because Meyer Lansky died in November of 1983, uh-huh. and it was a cold winter, and one of the last events he did was when ice fishing. Oh, boy. So Interesting. Yeah. So, so, but we don't have pictures of Meyer Lansky and Claire, do we? Um, they, are, there, are there any pictures? Well, I, oh, I, of Meyer Lansky and Claire? Yeah. Oh, yes, there's photos. Okay, good. Um, uh-huh. I don't know if I can find any because yeah. actually a classmate of ours, we won't use the name because mm-hmm. I asked her to speak on this, not her, but her mother, to yes. speak on this. But uh, our classmate was born in 1963, and when, she, when her mom had her as an infant, she was, the mother was just getting involved with law enforcement. And the state police and the feds actually paid her to walk up and down and around with a baby stroller and a notepad and took license plates from Sam Garfield's place and would help track Meyer Lansky and the people coming and going from there. And recently she said a few more things than she has in the past. Then I asked her, would you like to be identified and like to be interviewed? And uh, she's in her 80s now, and she still doesn't want to. Okay, and, and, tho- and those are the stories. And those are, these are true facts. Right. Yep. Yeah. It, very interesting. So, so th- there's a lot more out there. So, oh, yeah. you, you told me a story, and, and I'm going to ask you who they were and all that, but two gentlemen who wouldn't walk next to each other in downtown Clare. 
Yeah, and that was Sam Gardfield yep. and Meyer Lansky. Yep. And I was told that by this gal and by other people. Um, Dick Hanak, um, he's going to love hearing all this. He he ran Jackson's <laughs> Meats back at the time. Uh-huh. And Meyer and Sam would come in to get steaks, and one of them would walk in first, and then a minute, maybe 30 seconds or a minute later, the other one would come in. And they'd be in there. They'd get their steaks. One would leave. A little while later, the other one. And if they were walking, they always stayed apart. And what everybody back then thought, that if they did come here and there was, they were trying to make a hit on them, they wouldn't get them both. So. Boy, boy, oh boy. What a way to live a life, isn't it? Oh, isn't it amazing? <laughs> Even though they were up town, here where they could relax. Right, small still, town Claire. But know, still, they, they were always those keeping lines. those safety. Oh, that's yes. very, very interesting. Yeah. So. And another cool thing is Meyer Lansky um, was tight with the uh, priest here in town, Father Shruba. And a lot of times he would come and actually park his car in the Catholic uh, house there in the garage and leave it and be around town. And the priest would leave his car out so that his car could be parked in the garage. And he's a Jewish uh, from Poland. Yeah. In my Meyer Lansky is so incredible. So. Yeah, isn't it something? <laughs> I would do some things. Hey, Baba, so... You, you have a lot of family members who, who seem to have, you know, some certain connections in the past. Do you have anything that really sticks out in the top of your head, you know, that's a, a pretty cool story that you can relate to us? Well, my my dad uh, really chewed out uh, Sam Garfield once in front oh, of no. me. Oh, no. I want to hear Sam, this. Sam had um, four Rottweilers, and this is before Rottweilers were cool. They were the only Rottweilers in town, and they were guard dogs. And every once in a while, they'd get out of their enclosure and go around the neighborhood, and one day I was walking to school, and two of them came up, and I thought they were going to eat me, and my dad came down there, and he was, I watched him go nose-to-nose with Sam Garfield, and at the time, I didn't realize how dangerous that probably was, Right. but uh, I distinctly remember it, and those, uh, they had those Rottweilers for a long time, but our, like, like I said before, our family's property butted right up to it, so... That's probably the most significant thing that, that sticks out. But you never really saw any hanky-panky or weird things going on. I mean, out of all of this, both of you, Rhino, Baba, no. these guys came here, lived here. They, they were good citizens, I guess, at some well, point. I mean, Sam Garfield, sense. when Mammoth yeah. Oil went out and everything like that, Sam yeah. donated the building so it could be the local library. Right. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> um, we're hanging out at Cops and Donuts right now in Claire. I'm, I'm with Bubba and with Rhino. We normally sit at the round table. You've got a number of people over there, but we have these great conversations at the round table, and that's where it really started with the Purple Gang and our talk about that as well, too. Do you do that as well, too, when I'm not here? Are people still bringing up the Purple Gang and those stories? Is it still part of the lore you yeah. know, of Claire, Michigan? We talk about you when you're not here. Thank you, very, thank you very much, Bubba. I hope it's all good. Yeah, yep. <laughs> Um, actually, it, mm-hmm. it surprises me. You know, it's not every day, but quite yeah. often because of all of the information that's out there and everything, we have people come up to us, and you don't know which ones are truthful and which ones aren't. Right. But the one thing that is truthful about this, the Purple Gang were ruthless. And yes, oh, and very much Al, so. Al Capone feared them. Yeah, if right now, if Al Capone was at the table and I, and I upset him, and, and I would end up dead tonight. Correct. While he's gone. Correct. With yep. the Purple Gang, if they were here and I pissed them off right now, I'd be gunned down and killed right here and bleed yes. out in the bakery. Right. And because of that, all the people that worked for them, we've had multiple, multiple people over the years come up to us and say, my great uncle or my uncle or my grandpa were drivers for the Purple Gang, but that's all they know. They didn't know if they drove people. They didn't right. know if they drove kegs of rum around. Um, and, and that's one thing that's a consistent thing. Uh, people yeah. feared them. And tell them why they're called why they're called the Purple Gang, Bubba. Why is that? Yeah, um, 
Elvis Presley kind of made him famous from his Jailhouse Rock song. There's a stanza yep. that goes, the entire rhythm section was the Purple Gang. Um, back in those days, if you called somebody purple, that was the worst insult that oh. you possibly could because purple was the color of rotten meat. And so if you said, man, that guy's just purple, that was a big-time insult. We don't think of it that way. Um, the, the, the fact that they were called the Purple Gang, it's kind of almost romanticized. Right. But uh, they were absolutely ruthless people. Well, they, they a lot of murders in, in Detroit. I know there's the big Chalmers, Chalmers murders. I, I didn't say that right. Um, there may be connections to the St. Valentine's Day massacre with them as well, too. That's what you know, we, we see all of that as well, too. So, Well, like Rhino said, that, you know, Al Capone, he wouldn't kill you right now. He'd, he'd kill you, you know, somewhere private. And the Purple Gang would just kill you. Um, Al Capone would have considered that rude to just kill somebody right like now. that. You know, there's a dignity here. Oh, there right. we go. Yeah, yeah thank you, he, Bubba. He it's was a right professional. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, let, let's move on. Let's talk about a gunning down of a person at the Doherty. Sure. Was that 1938, I believe it was? Yes, it was. May 1938. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what happened there, and I'm going to try to put it, you guys are going to help me out a little bit, okay? Uh, a guy named Isaiah Lebov. Yes. Is that correct? Yes. He was also a partner with Mammoth Producing and Refining Corporation, along with Sam Garfield, right? Uncle Sammy. Mm-hmm. And then a guy named Jack Livingston. Correct. Jack Livingston. Yes. He, he, had, a little, he had a little problem there for a while, didn't he? Yes, he did. He, he, did he really think people were out gunning after him, and is that why he went after uh, Isaiah Lebov? Well, we don't know for certain because, right. you know, he got off on that because of insanity. Correct. So we don't know what the real story is because no, the guy was nuts. Or was he? And he, well, he spent the rest <laughs> of his life in a sanatorium or, or, you know, an institution. Yeah, and what were they like back then? Some of them today are pretty plush. Right. So <laughs> so do you guys know a little bit about the story at the, at the Doherty, how this happened, when this happened? Yeah, uh, I, I think Bubba's got it down Do you got this on one that. down? Yeah, tell us. I was always told that uh, Livingston was accusing him of skimming money. Okay, um, I've and, read uh, that, and and that was his downfall. He decided, and I believe he made statements that, well, I'm not you, after today. You're not going to be seeing me around. He he kind of premeditated the whole thing, and he went in the dirty hotel, in the bar, and put a bullet through him. Crazy, isn't it? Yeah, you know, uh, just one evening, just went and did it. Yeah, he thought he was skimming money. He thought maybe he would be the next victim as well. Too Livingston thought there was a hit out on him. Um, so he really wanted to do it first. But it seemed like from all the accounts that I read, even on the website from the Doherty, that he didn't really plan to do it that, that very minute, but he just you know, became enraged. The rage, that's what it was. The there was a bunch of rage that just him. did that at that point as well, too. So, yeah, I mean, he gunned him down, cold blood murder, correct? Right. Walked away. Yep, correct. Pretty much walked away at yes. that point because he said it was a moment of insanity. Mm-hmm. How did they do that? I mean, it's 1938. You know, the, the court system, did it help him? Was there something behind that that we don't know about? Yeah, well, we may never know. Exactly. Right. Interesting, though, yeah. that, and that, far as I, I can see, is really the only mob or gangster hit in Claire, Michigan. Yeah, that we're that, aware that we, of. That, that we're, we're aware, aware of, of. right. Yeah, it's there like may we, be skeletons we, somewhere, yeah. right? <laughs> we sell a book here of every yes. murder uh-huh. in Claire County since yes. we've had a criminal justice right. system. That we know of. That we know of. And yep. Judge Ringelberg that put that book together feels that the number is probably at least double that because okay. there's probably that many, again, that we're, we'll never know or n- never see or, you know. We've got a lot of swamp lands out near the Muskegon River, and a lot of things could have happened back in those days, and, and right. we would just oh, yeah. never know. Okay. Well, on the, uh, the Purple Gang 
house that they lived in uh, right at the north end of town. Uh, a friend of ours recently purchased that, and he's turning it into a, vet- a venue for weddings. and Tobacco events. Ranch. Well, yes. Yes. Well, okay. while working on the property and cleaning out, a long ways from the house, right on the edge of the river, they found a large uh, incinerator. Like a like a big. This is uh, true story. Wow. Factual photograph. True story. Yeah, I think it was about six feet long and three feet wide. And if it was for burning trash, why on earth would you have it that far away from the house? And in uh, those dimensions, and, and, and why does it have to be seven foot long and right, on the yeah, edge of the river? I know. Yeah, you know. So it makes right. you wonder what kind of stuff was burned in there and then dumped in the river. Exactly. So, so what kind of stories do we have from uh, the Tobacco River venue? And, and who owned that house? Was that uh, you said that was uh, well, Lebov, Lebov's house. Okay. Yep. Do you know yep. any history about that property? So, are there any spirits out there? Well, are there we don't any know stories from that you know, property. When Bubba and I were old enough to be running <laughs> uh-huh. around like hoodlums in town, uh-huh. would have been in the seventies. And when we would go over there, you know, after it was left abandoned, uh-huh. everybody thought there was treasures and a lot of money left behind. Right. So it was actually tore apart. There okay, were no yes. floors in it. There were no walls. They'd actually, the people had, had just tore it apart, dug up everywhere, looking for everything. And then uh, it was finally put back together when Leo Beard um, purchased it. Who was an yeah. oil man Oil as well man, too, yep, so, yep. Right? Beard oil and hub right. oil. Yep. And I don't know any connections there, but it's just funny that it ends up then in an oil man's hands. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And, and, <laughs> he, crazy? and, and he fixed it all up, put a lot of money into it at the time. Yeah. And, uh, and it stayed in that family. And then uh, Jim Patshaw fell in love with it. He'll have it forever. Yes, good. Um, his goal is that when he does start to slow down, he'll keep that. And he'd like to live somewhere on the property there at some point is what he's told me. Um, he's putting a lot of money into it. Um, it's a great venue. Uh, it's great for weddings. It's primarily what he's yep. doing, but he's had proms. He's had political meetings. Um, one of the things now that uh, we're post-COVID, I'm sure he's going to start having corporate retreats there to yep. get away for training and getaways. And it, it just it, it's perfect for many different things. Apparently, it was a corporate retreat before, right? Yes, it was. Well, but it, know, everything goes for full circle. For a different corporation, right? There you go. Yeah. Except now it's yeah. legal. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Yeah, And uh-huh. you can actually go to a site, and one of the things that's really cool about that is so many people want to theme their wedding, and they actually have had gangster, gangster weddings, weddings there where, the, where the, they're all dressed up. The guys are dressed right. up as gangsters, and the gals are dressed up in their flapper dresses and right. stuff like that, and they have like a purple gang theme. And they had signage and everything for one of them. It's very cool. I love it. You guys told me a lot about this. This has really been great. We're at Cops and Donuts with Rhino and Bubba. You guys always sit around. Seems like, what, 10 o'clock? You're at the round table. A lot of people come from out of state, out of town, everywhere. Do they ask you a lot about the history of Claire here? All the you know, time. They come here. Oh, excellent. All the time, yeah. So what we're going to do is encourage our listeners to come over here and visit some time and sure. have a cup of coffee, some Cops coffee, yep. have a great donut and Talk a little bit about that lore. Yeah, and we were born and raised here, and we've spent Mm -hmm. so much time downtown now that what we try to do, the shade reaches our side of the street at 320 in the afternoon in the summertime. In the summertime. In the summertime, you can sit on the sidewalk on our side after 320, and Bubba and I have kind of started this as a, we want to be out there from 330 to 530 every day, six days a week. Okay. And the one cool thing about it is we're now starting our 14th year, and we have some kids that come in that have signed our electronic guest book. Yeah. 
and they come in and they say, look over here when I was a little kid and I'm looking at it. Well, so that's going on. So I want to be out there and whether you want to call us the fat old cops or just the old cops I would or never the, whatever do, you want to call us. I would never do that to you. I want, I want to be sitting out there long enough that we right. have those kids come back and yeah. say, every time you go through, those old cops are sitting out there every afternoon from 3.30 to 5.30. So come and see us, 3.30 to 5.30 on nice days. Perfect. Quick question. You guys were police officers for decades within this community. Where's the organized crime today? Shh. Be very, very quiet. Be very, very quiet. Thank you very much, guys. Appreciate it. We got Rhino, Bubba. They got real names. We don't know what they are. They're at Cops and Donuts. They are 22% of the ownership of Cops and Donuts at Clare City Bakery. Well, 40% of the body weight. 40% of the body weight. You know, they're having fun. They're hanging out here quite a bit as well, too. If you want to learn a little bit more about the Purple Gang, make sure you stop in at Clare Cops and Donuts. They'll be willing to talk with you, as Rhino said. They're going to be hanging out there for about two hours eating donuts all afternoon for about six days a week. We'll see how long you can last uh, doing that out there in the sun, though. Okay. Well, it's a little warm. The sh- no, the shade, remember? The, sh- the shade hits at 320, and it leaves the other side at 1240. <laughs> you got it. Um, you've had a lot of fun here this morning already, too, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, we're, we're the hub of town. We truly are. You know, there's yep. different places. we got the round table, and right now it's an election year, and we've got candidates asking if they can do meets and greets. We've had, uh, it's a heavy year with the Republican candidates, so there's more of those. Um, so we've had three through so far. Um, one is here now. going to be moving on. You hear all the activity. Um, Governor Whitmer was here her 24th day on the job, so we, we welcome everyone. So it we took still her a long do, time to get here. So we still do have gangsters in town. <laughs> and on that note, I thank you guys very much for taking the time today. We're going to be talking plenty again. It's Bob around town. I'm hanging around at Cops and Donuts with Bubba and Rhino. Time hope for a donut. Time for a donut, and hope you, hopefully you uh, learned a little bit about the uh, Purple Gang. Thanks. we got more coming up. Thank you for listening to Bob Around Town's weekly podcast. The views and opinions heard on this podcast do not necessarily reflect those views and opinions of Latitude Media, our sponsors, our affiliates, or My1043 and Buck92 Radio. Check out our website for even more podcasts from around the area. Just go to MyMichiganPodcast.com. It's podcasting that matters.